Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome back to our watch club for Marvel's Miss Marvel. Good is not a thing you are, Kamala. It is a thing you do. Welcome back to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and this is our Watch Club for Miss Marvel, Episode 3, titled Destined, directed by Mira Minan. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back in a snap. Now, before Kamala pulls the fire alarm on us, let me introduce you to my cosmic bestie joining me today, fresh back from the red carpet Obi-Wan finale event. Uh, and he's also just recently watched a movie that we can't say yet, but uh, I'm super jelly. Uh, we have my cosmic brother from another universe's mother. He's the dastardly, daring and deadly deviant Darcy Hudson. Thanks for having me back here, man. It was, yeah. Dude, I, I think we could add we could add gin to that list now. Yep, I think, it maybe. starts with a D technically, right? so it, it, alliteration works. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, man. How are you doing? How's uh, you've had a a pretty crazy couple of nights? Yes, it's been a, a very very busy week for me, and I just think the like you said the Obi Wan finale the other night, and then the movie tonight, both great, both a, a yeah. really really cool experiences. So I can't wait to talk about them more on maybe other episodes. Very cool. And we listen, we love that you are, I mean, I think we can kind of say it at this point. You're kind of becoming a, a staple here on the Geek-Centric Podcast. We're getting you on more yeah, and more and more. more official and, uh, now, official Geek-Centric yeah. member instead of just Kevin's brother. <laughs> instead of just Kevin's brother, that's right. Yeah, man, I'm stoked to have you uh, on more content. And uh, I mean, listen, you're the, you're the first person we've ever gotten that where fans have come up to me. And have said, listen, we need more of that Darcy guy talking comic book stuff. So I'm happy to have you on for another Miss Marvel episode. I want to ask before we kind of dive in, obviously, you know, this episode is focusing on Taisha and Amir's wedding. I got to start off by asking, have you ever had, like, do you have any crazy wedding stories? <laughs> Not really. I'm pretty laid back. I'm a shy guy. Uh, I don't like to be in the yeah. center of attention. So I, I more, yeah. more am a wallflower in weddings, but... Everyone I've been to has been a blast. Kevin and Sarah's being the most recent in Disney was yeah. a, a time to remember. I don't think uh, any other wedding you'll be able to dance with Mickey and Minnie at. I think that was definitely the totally. most memorable uh, wedding moment I, I can think of right now. Is But like even even leading up to the wedding, though, uh, which I, I got the opportunity uh, to be a, a part of and I got to... Uh, you emceed, man. You were the master of ceremonies with your your. I got to be the master tongue. of ceremonies. Yes. <laughs> and... Um, and and I gotta I gotta say though I heard there was some debauchery going on I don't know if it was leading up to the wedding or if it was shortly after the wedding Do you remember there was something something about Kevin waking up in a swimming pool or someone was waking up in a swimming pool Yeah I don't know I think it was more Kevin and Sarah Sarah had a bad reaction to too many fruity drinks oh and gosh. some shellfish Yeah and then Kevin yeah. <laughs> also having a very good time had to then try and take care of her so it was yeah. that was apparently deal right before they left for their honeymoon the day the, the day after so yeah that whole, whole that thing. whole week trip was was definitely something to remember for various reasons yeah. well thankfully we didn't have a bunch of uh gin 
rolling in to uh to to ruin the wedding and uh and we were able to have such a wonderful time there um but yeah man let's uh let's you know before before we get like sort of a way too close to the face facetime call from nanny uh let's get into this week's episode we start off this week uh with a flashback to 1942 british occupied india uh which is five years before the partition if we're keeping count uh where najma and her group are digging through a bunch of rubble inside some ancient ruins uh they come across a bangle on a blue severed arm and then aisha appears uh who we thought could have been uh najma in the last episode of Watch Club, we're like, maybe they're the same person. Uh, they're not. And uh, and that's confirmed here. And uh, and she says that the man from the temple said they'd need two bangles. Uh, Faria here uh, assumes that the second one has been looted by the British, who have now become aware of their presence and start to destroy the ruins even more. Uh, and Najma orders everyone to escape. Uh, Aisha puts the bangle on uh, and says they have to see what it can do. And she gets the purple glowy eyes. And as the cave crumbles, Najma uh, says that she can't let the bangle fall into the hands of the British. Aisha promises to keep it safe, and they part ways. So, Darcy, some pretty huge reveals here in this opening scene. We got confirmation that, yes, there are two bangles. Uh, We see the Ten Rings logo on the floor of the ruins, and that severed arm where they pull the bangle from is blue. Does this spark any crazy wild thoughts for you? Well, first off, you brought up the two bangles. Definitely either quantum bands or nega bands or something yeah. where there is a pair of them in the comics. So definitely yeah. related to that for sure. And and do you think do you think sorry, do you think that they are um do you think the MCU is is adapting it more than they are actually utilizing that? Or do you think they're really gonna call them the nega bands at some point see it's i don't know if they call them that uh again yeah. i feel like it might be more along the quantum route that is more associated with uh captain marvel's powers and even spectrum's powers are on the quantum mm. side of things so if they're they might go that route but again i feel like you said they're more ad- like adapting them for the screen and kind of changing the story behind them so they may not even per se call them that but they're definitely right. the mcu's version or allusion to to those th- existing in the, in the comics for sure uh, Interesting. And, and going forward, sorry, you you also mentioned the Ten Rings logo, and I feel like that dude. again just solidifies <laughs> the spread and the power that that the Ten Rings had under the Mandarin's control. So that was yeah a really cool thing to see. Uh, it was so crazy. I think like I gotta just say, you know, obviously, um, I, I I really do think that the man from the, the at the temple that they're referring to could possibly be Wenwu himself from Shang-Chi. I think it's very possible because he would have been around at the same time. Uh, His goal was to take over as many empires as possible. And so maybe he was using them to either try to get the bangle, you know, the bangle himself or to try to find it to destroy it. I I don't know. Like if, if he came across a group of, powerful Jin, um, but he's already got the rings. I'm wondering what that sort of power dynamic would have been, and maybe he would have been able to sort of convince them to say, hey, listen, I got these powerful rings. There's something else in that in that in those ruins over there. Go ahead over there and, uh, and and go grab them for me. What do you think? Well, I wouldn't be surprised if they, like, again, his are clearly extraterrestrial or, or extra-dimensional even in origin, his ten rings. So I wouldn't be surprised if he sees this other item from another universe as as another potential power source that he could use to solidify his reign. So I, yeah. I definitely, I mean, clearly that was his intent almost. If he had it under his control at one point, maybe it was too powerful and just leave it locked away. I think the big thing to yeah. take away though was again, that blue arm. Uh, if we're trying to look for a connection between Miss uh, Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel, 
the Cree would be an easy route with that blue arm, yeah. like just showing up there. So also thought it was weird how they ne- they never, you know, talked about how it was a blue arm. So clearly they have encountered these these beings before and have had sure interactions or ongoings with them. So it's uh yeah, definitely yeah, I was, questions. I, I saw some theories online of of some people saying that, you know, maybe it was another djinn uh that was wearing it prior and uh you know, obviously in the the more western side of uh, of the understanding of genies we've seen them in blue primarily uh thanks to uh to Aladdin but i i do think that um i do really agree with you i think it is cree i think with secret invasion coming up i think they're getting us ready for a big cree attack and i think based on how the bengal's are glowing blue um in the same way that i think we saw the rings at, at some points glow blue at Perfectly other times blue orange for sure yeah yeah they got to be maybe it's ancient Cree technology. Maybe it's because, I mean, Miss Marvel wouldn't have known or sorry, Captain Marvel wouldn't have known about the the ancient technology. She I think she says in the end credit scene of, of Shang-Chi, she's like, it's nothing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. like she's not been around as long as maybe these items have. I don't yeah, know. she's a human. She had a human life lifespan up until the point where she got lost in space. And even then it was only another, you know, 30, 40 years type thing. So it, yeah, yeah she definitely ha- doesn't have enough history with the Cree or or even when she, you know, woke up from her or got all her memories back, she hadn't been with them very long. I don't see her them telling her all their little secrets because, again, they're a very widespread, spread. They're a very widespread empire, and yeah. they obviously have their secrets that they want to keep. So they wouldn't be telling their random grunt that is a human infused with this power about all their secrets. Right. So interesting, huh? I mean, I I do think um, I, there's one last kind of really interesting thing that I did see, uh, which is. The that Faria uh, actually picks up a helmet right at the beginning, and if you look closely, and I, I had to I had to Google image search, but I was like, I'm pretty sure that's the same helmet uh, that the army of Wenwu wears at the very beginning of Shang Chi. We actually see it's got a very similar ornamentation with familiar. a little tip on yeah. the top, right? I thought at first, I, I thought at first maybe Nova helmet, but again, I don't think feel yeah. like that would be their Easter egg or, no, or introduction yeah. of a Nova at this time. So yeah, yeah I, that Wen Wu thing again, it, it builds, it has connections, if the, especially with those rings of his. So that'd be so cool. That yeah. would be so, ah, I really want to see, I mean, we saw, uh, on Disney's Instagram, uh, they showed at the parks, uh, at, uh, at Avengers campus, they showed Shang-Chi and Miss Marvel hanging out together. Uh, and they put their arms together and I'm like, are you trying to tell us something Disney? What are you doing over here? Anyways, let's, uh, let's get to present day where we learn along with Kamala that Aisha and the rest of the group are from another dimension. Uh, the last time they saw Aisha was the night in the ruins they searched uh, they searched for her but they assumed she was lost during the partition uh, they've been around for a hundred years except for Kamran uh, who it's revealed by Najma that he thinks that uh, Kamala is adorable which was an awesome moment he's like no what no it's so awkward uh, Najma and Kamala move to the living room and Najma mentions that they sense the presence of Noor uh, which is uh, another word for for light uh, and that's what led them to Kamala. Uh, she mentions it slows down their aging uh, and that they're unable to get access to it. Uh, but maybe Kamala, who was born in this dimension, can access it. And maybe that's why she can access it. Um, which also, she kind of hints at the idea that maybe Kamran uh, might be able mm-hmm. to access it he, as well. well which... Under the same reasoning, he would 
stand to be able to use them as well. So, right, and that's I mean we know from the comics that he he uses the power of light. So I think that's a great adaptation if that's where they're going with it. Um, they need to get home using the bangles' power, uh, which would you know she says would fulfill Aisha's wish. I don't know if that's exactly what Aisha <laughs> wants, uh, but their 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 home dimension uh, is again is the Nor dimension, and while they call themselves the clandestines. Uh, others know them most commonly as Jin, and Kamala's like freaking out. She's like, "Genies, Jin, they're real! Oh my gosh!" Uh, and she thinks, I guess she she's like, "I'm a Jin too." Um, Kamala the next day explains all this to Bruno, uh, and I love the joke with Jin and Tonic. I thought that was just too <laughs> too perfect. Bruno's fantastic. Um, he he deserves uh, so much more than he's getting, uh, and he says uh, he'll look into kind of what she's talking about in terms of, uh, you know, he says it reminds him of a paper that he's read. Uh, and Kamala tells him to reread that paper as she picks up some stuff for the Mendy. Um, and Bruno lets her know just before she leaves, hey, she's trending. And he shows her footage on TikTok of the boy uh, that she sort of rescued last week, not fully rescued. Uh, so, Darcy, with the reveal that Najma and the clandestines, which, by the way, sounds like a dope Band name, Najma and the Clandestines. Yeah, like an indie Yeah, band. right? Yeah. <laughs> like really indie. Um, and, uh, and, and you know, we, we learn that they're from the Nor dimension. I have to ask, have we already seen the Nor dimension? Is this the same place that we saw in episode one when Kamala first put the bangle on? And uh, what do you think of the fact that we're getting even more characters introduced to the MCU who are over 100, or 100 years old? Uh, I just like the fact that that's establishing that not like humans are probably the shortest lifespan in the universe. So we are still young right. in both our planet's history as well as just no matter how old we get, we'll never be the oldest thing around. So I think yeah. that's really cool in establishing that fact that, you know, there are races out there that last for a while. I also like the route they're going with this whole gin genie thing. It's a very unique twist on uh, the kind of like the inhuman lore that is uh, present in the comics for Kamala. So it's very cool to yeah. see, again, how she explained, like, they're the boogeymen of, uh, she was growing up. Those are the demons or the, the bad st- the bad people in all the stories. So r- rightfully so, she's a bit worried. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's really cool. I, I also think that you you said that it's what, I, they said that it's what Aisha would have wanted and probably not. I mean, in the five years that had happened after that cave-in, she clearly met mm-hmm. someone, fell in love, and had a child. So yeah. something must have changed along the lines for her to be like, maybe I don't need to get home. Maybe this is my home. So I, I feel like, yeah. again, with what comes later on in this, in this episode, we'll definitely be leading towards fighting for home, which I think is really totally. neat. Totally. And and it seems that you know the MCU seems to be running this trend. Um, and, and we're getting a lot of trends, again, leading into these different storylines. And, and it's funny how after each sort of... Um, grouping of of groups of characters you know like we we kind of see more and more into what's going on in terms of like where we can pull from the comic books the whole things with you know the incursions from doctor strange um and and now this idea of you know we we get yet another group of characters who are living longer than 100 years they don't age you know we started off with with when move from shang chi then the eternals and now the clandestines so obviously all this is connected. I know it's Marvel, but I think, you know, that ending with, with Shang-Chi, with, with Captain Marvel, that's got to be how we connect Captain Marvel to Kamala. And I think the the Bengals are also a beacon. Um, and I'm wondering if if it's possible, again, if these if this is Kree technology or ancient Kree technology, maybe it's calling, maybe it's calling the Kree. Maybe that's who it's alerting. Could 
You know what I'm saying? Interesting, because <laughs> also be maybe like I mean they're talking about they have, like later on they talk about how they need a lot of power to do this. And if yeah. you know anything about the Kree tech, is that they are some of the strongest and most formidable empire out there. So of course they'd have power to do these these crazy things. So yeah, definitely an option. Again, there's so right. the doors are there are so many doors that could potentially be open from this one setup already. Marvel is very good at doing that, being like there are infinite possibilities, and it's fun to wonder what what could be next. So it's doing a really it's good so job good. of that, in my opinion. And and you caught you caught the name of the author of the paper that uh, Bruno Bruno was reading. Did you hear what he said? I I feel like I did. It's slipping my memory right now. Again, I'm coming off of another another thing that's a bit too more a bit fresher in my mind. So totally. Yeah. But he calls out Eric Selvig. That's it. Uh, that's- as the author, which is so dope. Obviously from the Thor movies, and uh, and you know we know that he was investigating multiverses. Um, so obviously that's kind of where that plays in. Again, they're they're Marvel's just so good at tying it all together. Um, and I also want to you know speaking of tying it together uh, with the comic books. Um, and I love that I'm I'm sitting with you here on this this podcast because usually you're the one that goes straight for like the from the comic books references, uh, and you'll continue to do so because that's what we pay you for. We don't pay you, <laughs> uh, but but I I love that in the comic books. Um, you know this this story of these Jin from another dimension trying to get home is very similar to another storyline from 2019. Um, where you know we have the G uh, Willow Wilson comics that led up to the 2019 ones by Saladin Ahmed, uh, who actually um, named Volume One of his comic series Destined, uh, which is the name of this episode. And in that uh, in that comic book, there's a bunch of interdimensional travelers who call upon Kamala to help them get home and save their planet. Uh, called Safa. They refer to her as the Sword of Safa, um, and it's it's just so cool how they keep sort of bringing stuff in, they're adapting it at the same time, and they're still honoring those comics with the titles of these episodes. Um, And, check this out, if you pause the episode uh, at a certain moment that we haven't gotten to in the Watch Club yet here, but where Kamala is texting with Kamran in her room, you'll actually see a QR code in the background, a la what they were doing for Moon Knight. Uh, I missed the first few QR codes, so if you if you have seen them and you're listening to this, write in. I'd love to know what those were all about. Uh, but for this QR code, when you scan it, it takes you to that first issue of that 2019 run of, of the Destined, the volume with everything. Oh, I was just talking really about it. It's crazy. Cool. I mean, like, I, it's really cool. I only read the G. Willow Wilson uh, run of, of Miss Marvel. So I, yeah. by all means, please drop those bombs on me because I, I yeah, love man. being on the other side of finding out some of these connections to the comics. So, Dude, please. and it's funny because I literally, I literally started like reading that on my lunch break today. <laughs> what to, a coincidence. And then to, man, that's awesome. Right? And then I was like, wait a second. I was like, oh, I got I to gotta tell Darcy. Wicked. Um, and the last... The last thing I want to notice, uh, just really quick, little fun thing um, <laughs> that I noticed was one of the I can't remember his name. Uh, Might have been um, uh, Salim or Adam. One of them, the guy that's wearing the tracksuit. Uh, he's walking in and he's singing popcorn, popcorn as he enters the room, and he's obviously watching Zoe Zimmer's YouTube channel. I just, I don't know. I thought that was really, and especially with Faria just being like, this guy always finds the dumbest yeah, parts you of mean, the. You mean you're just like, oh, this, what a sleaze ball. I don't like this guy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Popcorn. Oh my gosh. Fantastic. Uh, now, let's keep going here. Um, because of the moments from last week are, you know, because we, we see them trending on TikTok, uh, the DODC pull up to the mosque where Agent Deaver does not respect uh, her surroundings like she was told. She rudely 
you know, rushes into the mosque with her shoes on and she tries to initiate a search, but she's stopped by Sheikh Abdullah uh, and uh, Nakia, who, by the way, can I just really quickly say, um, Nakia and Nakia. We have now two characters with the same spelling but different pronunciations. And I kept calling Nakia Nakia in the previous watch clubs. Um, so I'm going to really focus on just trying to say uh, Nakia so I don't get that confused. <laughs> um, so after, uh, after admitting her legal knowledge comes from law and order, <laughs> she tells them to, you know, they need a warrant and they need to leave. And I love, I love how Sheikh Abdullah uh, tells Deaver she needs to take her shoes off next time she enters. Mm-hmm. Such a badass. Oh, yeah. Um, back with Kamala, Nakia enters her room uh, and flops on the bed. Uh, and I love when Kamala's like, what's wrong, Squishy? Uh, <laughs> frustrated by, you know, she's frustrated by nightlight. She's frustrated by the fact that damage control had to come into the mosque, completely ruining the election result meeting where she became a board member. Kamala, who at first is a little bit too obsessed with her new social media popularity uh, to even hear what she's saying, eventually hears what she's saying and the two share a huge hug uh, and they get changed for the Mendy. Now, during the Mendy, uh, we get a sweet moment with Sheikh Abdullah, uh, followed by Kamala opening her new mask from Bruno. Uh, what do you think of the, the mask? Obviously, it's the first part of her costume uh, uh, her official costume i think it's awesome i also like that uh the line that you open the episode with uh where good isn't something you are it's something you do it, it feels almost yeah. very much like a, a peter parker with great power comes great responsibility like one of those, totally. those sayings that she'll constantly yes. fall back to when she's trying to figure out what to do next in her life as a superhero so i love that love moment that. i think it was really cool yeah. i also really like nakia's take on it i mean uh like the whole nightlight situation how it's almost another thing that they is unfairly yeah. being put on their their society just because of one person so i thought that was yeah. i thought it was really cool to to explore that route because obviously some people would be against it and see her as a menace so uh, totally and and i think that that fits with the idea of a modern day spider-man just like peter parker struggles with his you know back and forth in the comic books we see kamala struggle with it huge mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to the point where it like it affects friendships it ruins friendships for her uh in some cases so um yeah man i i think we're definitely going to explore that and i think i love that i love that call out of sort of bringing it back to with great power comes it just it had the soon as i heard it it had that same feel to me i'm like oh that's an important line that's something that when she's at like a a very crucial decision that's something she'll hear in the back of her head and that'll push her to do the right thing so uh, again, so good. really, really cool line. I, the, I think that's the highlight quote from the series so far for me because I really, absolutely, I really enjoy it. Yeah, man, that's that's like tattoo worthy at, at some point, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what we. You got a bunch of tattoos already. Maybe <laughs> yeah. may not be any room, but um, then we get to learn about the clandestines thanks to Yusuf's bad snacking habits. Uh, and Bruno asks him to translate some Urdu for. Well, Bruno doesn't ask him actually. Uh, he comes in and he's like, oh, "Let me see those papers. Let me translate that for you." I love, I love their relationship. I think they're so awesome together. He's, oh, he's um, it's like another, it's a son he never had type thing. He lo- he is so yeah. close to Bruno, and I love that relationship. That's so cute. Um, he says that they are supernatural beings of pre-Islamic folklore. Uh, he goes on to say the jinn have been called by many different names in different times and different cultures. Some call them genies, while other be- others believe them 
uh, sorry, others believe that they are demons. There is a legend about a group of hidden jinn who have been exiled from their realm. Uh, this group of jinn are damned to live the rest of their lives in the human world. According to the legend, these jinns are discreetly searching for a key that will help them return to their realm. Uh, but to unlock that ancient barrier, they will need a primordial power, which Bruno explains to Kamala uh, in the next scene is equivalent to the base energy of the sun. So Darcy, um, I guess I would ask, like, I guess it was Aisha that that technically would have damned them uh, to to live out their days on Earth. Or, or Aisha was also exiled as well. I think the group as True. a whole were exiled. And then it was Aisha who realized may as well make this place home. They didn't want us there. Why not stay here type thing? So clearly it was Mephisto that exiled them. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Everything comes back to Mephisto, man. I'm just saying they're called demons. They said demons. Some. I mean, there are other. There are multiple types of lore. Uh, I mean, with the upcoming right. movie of, you know, the God Butcher's exploits. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. know that there are multiple lores within this universe. So, uh, like, one demon is not the same as the next demon is all I'm going to say. <laughs> Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I just, I like to keep the dream alive that Mephisto <laughs> might have had something to do we'll with it. We'll get him eventually. Um, Don't worry. And it'll be all totally. the more worth it once it happens. And I got to say, I love how nonchalant Yusuf leaves Bruno after that conversation. He's just like, okay, bye. <laughs> and he just starts munching on his mini pie. And I'm just like, I like this again. It's just so funny that he's just like, oh, I'll help you with this like scary, like deep lore stuff. And then he's like, okay, bye. Um, and, the, and the moment that Bruno mentioned base power of the sun, I just, something made me think of Captain Marvel. I'm like, is she going to show up? Is she going to stop, you know, the, the terrible thing that Bruno says might happen? Because like, is she as powerful as the base power of the sun? Yes, she is. Right? I think it's been established. Right? I mean, that... Miss Marvel herself, you know, summed it up perfectly with the opening of the series about how she came in and just seriously messed up Thanos's fleet. So she definitely yeah. has the power equivalent to a son. So oh, I never thought saying, of it that route. That would be interesting if she comes in to contain a blast because that's what she does. Yeah. Be yeah. Very cool. Again, you're, you you keep coming up with all these theories that make me really smile. So keep Dude, them coming, I'm man. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm like, I'm watching this. I'm taking my notes. I'm... I, again, I think this is the most connected to uh, a character that I've been going into one of these live action series because of the comic books. Uh, and I highly, highly recommend like I'm, I'm already starting to like look up like what are the best She-Hulk comics to get into. She-Hulk um, is great. I already asked you about like like uh, the Mighty Thor uh, with Jane Foster looking into that. So I've already started like kind of dabbling in that a little bit. Uh, so with that stuff coming up, I again, I highly recommend for anyone listening. If you're not already diving into the comics ahead of time. I would say go for it. I think Marvel is doing a good enough job of adapting and not directly pulling that I don't think it does spoil too much because um, I'm still on my toes with this series. And I, I think even though I've, I've read like a lot of it. So really cool stuff. Um, all right. So then then we get to like the sweetest parts of the episode. First, Kamala and her mom share a lovely moment, followed by uh, Kamala witnessing pretty much the same advice given to her brother, Amir. Uh, as he worries about his finances leading up to the wedding. And I I just love how this proves for Kamala just how aligned her mother and her father are in their beliefs and sort of, you know, their, their, their ideals of if you choose family, you'll never be alone. It's just, it's really lovely, lovely to hear that, you know, 
both her mom and dad are giving the same advice without knowing mm-hmm. that they they gave the same and, advice. Again, family beautiful. is the core of this show, and like that's something that I can really relate to because growing up with three brothers, my house is never a quiet yeah. place. I was never alone yeah. growing up because I always had someone to hang out with, and that's carried on into adulthood too, where we are each other's big best friends, basically. So totally. it's it again that family aspect is hitting home so well. They're doing they're really driving home how much family matters to this character and how that's going to be a very uh, a very frontal force in her reasoning to fight for what she wants to fight, uh, believe in and stuff like that. So I, I love it. Totally. And I think it also, it emphasizes the aspect of another part that she sort of will see weighs heavy on her is, is the protection of her family as, as all of them start to get more and more involved with what's going on. Um, so let's get to that wedding though. I mean, it was absolutely beautiful. I got a little misty-eyed, I'm not going to lie. Like, the moment when Amir joins the dance, I was just like, how can you not just be smiling from ear to ear? Oh, yeah. I was beaming during that whole thing from, like, their their I do ceremony and how much fun yeah. they had there towards oh. that dance where everyone was getting involved and how it was... It Yeah, like I, I agree with you. It was definitely getting a bit misty eyed during that moment just because it's so true how much family matters and i love it yeah and you can and you can tell like from the performances that these actors are giving off like just they're so in it and i um i loved seeing i, I can't remember um or no wait uh hold on two seconds i loved seeing uh sagar shake uh on his instagram posted a picture of him with the actress that plays Ta- uh, Taisha and his wife. And he's like, I just brought my wife to my wedding. I was just like, <laughs> again, you can tell that they're having so much fun doing this. Um, and obviously the dance was incredible. I loved seeing Taisha's little brother, Gabe, uh, who's younger here than he is in the comics. But you see he's wearing the green shawar kameez mm-hmm. that uh, was the Hulk costume, the Hulk costume. for Kamala. And it's just, I, I love it. I love that, like, he's just, like, got still got the padding in it and everything. Um, and I also noticed, you know, it was interesting, kind of a little bit of continuity. Amir grabs a bunch of cash off the plate when everyone's running away from the clandestine. I so love that win. aspect, too. It's like, right. like, he's like, okay, I will, I will choose family, but money also helps, too. I mean. <laughs> yeah. And he just quickly grabs that and then runs off. I love it. I love it. Um, so the wedding is obviously going great until Cameron shows up. And ruins everything by letting Kamala know, and uh, and also Bruno, who he keeps calling Brian, uh, <laughs> know that the clandestines uh, are coming, and they're going to kill everyone. Everyone's going to die, he says. Um, so she pulls the fire alarm, uh, and everyone leaves, including the house band Brown Jovi, uh, <laughs> which is just awesome. I want more um, of their songs, please. <laughs> I want to hear one of, yeah, I want to definitely want to hear one of their songs. We, we do get a taste of... Of the Bon Jovi uh, with living in a prayer playing over these uh, these final moments here. But but I kind of wanted it to be the Brown Jovi, <laughs> you know, cover version, I think would have been really cool. Uh, maybe we'll get that eventually. Uh, but we see here, uh, you know, Cameron is is taken out um, and, and Bruno's getting, you know, knocked around. And, and we, we kind of see Kamala's first big fight um, after that chase scene. And uh, <clears throat> eventually they're surrounded. Uh, and Najma grabs Kamala's arm, and they both see a train coming towards them from a blast of light. This moment is cut short uh, by the DODC, who use those like 
those like blaster things Stun that they were bolts I guess, from Star Wars. It yeah, like. <laughs> pretty much right. Yeah, rings, like but they were and they were almost blue. So <laughs> yes, so they they use those, uh, which I think was originally introduced. That tech was introduced uh, in Hulk. In the first Hulk movie, that's what they, there's like a cannon, the sonic cannons that they used to try and fight the Hulk. You're right; I didn't even right? think of that. Um, so yeah, so so y- they're using those things, and uh, they basically stop and arrest everyone except for Kamala and Bruno, who escape, uh, but not without accidentally revealing Kamala's powers to Nakia. So let's talk about this. What did you think of Kamala's first big fight in the series, and what do you think Najma meant with the line? Why should I protect those who betray me? Uh, I loved the fight scene. The choreogra- choreography was great. And the, the fact that it was over living uh, on a prayer really had some cool moments with the beats and everything like that. So it was really fun. Mm-hmm. And I thought it actually was very, like, very well done in the, in the sense that, like, you got to see her starting to realize she needs to stand up and fight for herself. She can't continue to run because running will just put the people she knows in danger type thing. As we saw yeah. Bruno get smacked around and that's kind of what motivates her to stand up for herself. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, and going back to that line that Najma said where uh, she can't, uh, why should she trust someone who, bet- or help someone who betrayed her? Definitely makes me think that uh, again, Aisha had a, a change of heart or, or uh, again, had a family and realized that this is something she can protect, not, try and get back to a home that doesn't want them so i feel like that's going to be explored more as we go through the series right she's she's referring more to aisha's bloodline through kamala rather than kamala herself directly and i think i think that's a good call i think her and um i think her and najma did actually see each other you know another night after the ruins even though she says they didn't and i you know the train they saw that's got to be the exact train from the story that Yusuf described at the dinner table uh, with with um, Sana and and Aisha, uh, as it, it does say Karachi on mm-hmm. it. Um, and I do have to say, I I did I liked the fight. I think the fight choreography was awesome. I didn't think it was cut all that well from a production standpoint. I felt it was kind of oddly shot in in certain instances it did seem a bit jumpy and, and like uh unnecessary cuts to action that maybe wasn't necessary to see so i do agree yeah, with you was, there i do like a lot yeah. of, again it was cool seeing all the different powers i think that was what i was taking totally from it all those and weapons we got were we got the embiggened we got the embiggened fist mm-hmm. you know what i mean like we it, it, even though it's in a different way it's obviously this, some... I'll, I'll allow it i will allow it yeah <laughs> Oh, especially when she clears the ro- the entire room with it is so cool. Yeah, she's starting to like she's starting to figure out how she can fight these things, like use her powers to fight and stuff like that. And I think that's really neat because so far what we've seen is how to use them to protect people and how to use them to get around. So now we're yeah. finding how to affect the people that are trying to hurt her. So I, I, it's a really cool growth of the character that happens really quickly through the kitchen to the dance floor fight scene. Like it was, it was neat. Totally, and I, I think there's a really great, uh, you know, as far as the, the shots in the show, there's a fantastic shot that actually reminded me a lot of, like, Jurassic Park, uh, where, you know, Kamala's, like, leaning up against one of, like, the, I guess, like, the, the kitchen preparation tables or whatever, and there's, like, this fl- flickering flash of light as uh, Najma starts approaching, and that was, that was freaky. I really thought that was well shot. So, um, listen, we're coming to the end here. Uh, we see Kamala make it home. Uh, Amir and Taisha are just absolutely distraught in the background. I'm, that's such a sad, like it was such a good wedding and that happened. Uh, and Kamala's parents are extremely disappointed with the fact that Kamala is keeping secrets. And I think 
I think her mom is even more disappointed about the secret keeping. I think because she's also keeping some secrets from Kamala, um, which obviously we can get into. But um, later, Kamala up in her room gets a, a another <laughs> really close-up FaceTime call uh, from Sana, from Nani, uh, who tells her she too saw the train and she needs to come to Karachi. Which brings us to the end of the episode, as well as our prediction segment for uh, for you know what's going to be revealed in the future of this series and in the next episode. Uh, for this watch club, we like to call it "This may be a stretch, but." So, Darcy, why do you think Kamala's uh, nanny wants her to come to Karachi so much? Well, this may be a stretch, but not really much of a stretch because I think okay. obviously she's going to go to Karachi, and we're going to get more totally some more backstory, like. Clearly, yeah. these powers are genetic, and the bangle isn't necessarily required to unlock them. Or maybe just having it come in contact with it once means you're forever connected to it, or something like that. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, there's a reason why Nani sent the bangle in the first place. So I feel mm-hmm. like hopefully we'll get an answer as to why she sent that to Kamala, or at least to the house in across the pond type thing. Interesting. I mean, this may be a stretch, but I think you're totally right. Um, I think, obviously, we talked about the idea of the bloodline. You know, um, Kamala's mom uh, is is in that bloodline. I think she would have definitely seen the train as well. And I think that's the big thing is, is, is she knows Kamala is lying to her. She knows what's going on. And that's what's even more disappointing to her is that she feels like... I think she feels like she's not... Um, that Kamala isn't trusting of her. Uh, and, and and the unfortunate part is that's not it at all. It's that Kamala doesn't want to put her in danger. And Kamala has no idea that her own mom is probably experiencing and understands what she's going through. Especially with the way that her mom hates talking about her great-grandmother, her grandmother, like the Aisha. Right. Like she doesn't want her brought up at all. She's kind of the, the stain on the family history. So I feel like that yeah. alone also leads Kamala to, you know, want to keep this to herself because she knows that her mom, it's connected to her, the, her mom's side of the family and her mom has a problem with her, her grandmother. So it's totally, I feel like it definitely stems from that. And you, you again, all these characters, uh, choices and, and emotions are understandable and you can, and, uh, see the reason behind why they feel and think the way they do. So it's very well written in, in that regard. I'm I'm really digging it. And and listen, I think I think you're right. I think we're gonna go. Definitely, we're going to Karachi. We've seen it in the trailers already. Um, I think we're gonna have Nani tell the story that we we heard, but it's gonna be from her perspective. Uh, and I think it'll probably maybe be a little more accurate as well. Well, I think it'll be about how her mother saved her for sure. Like I th- I think that's what happened on that train. Totally, and that's I think that's what. Najma is talking about when she talks about the betrayal. It's it's obviously the moment that Sana um, was given the bangle. Uh, and I think we're going to end next week's episode uh, with the reveal of the Red Dagger. I think that's where we're going to get his first appearance is he's just going to be like a quick flash in the pan moment. And then for episode five, uh, he'll he'll have a, a bigger part. Uh, and then leading into episode six, um, that's that's all I have for my my stretchy thoughts. I think you know uh, the 
everything I, I mentioned earlier with all the Wen Wu stuff, I think that was really where the majority of my theories came. And I was like, I can't save that till the end of this podcast to talk about. Um, so that was uh, that was kind of that. Now, let's get to our overall thoughts and kind of our, our score uh, on a scale, which we're going to actually do on a scale of one to five secret hostess cherry pies. Again, I've been talking about how I really liked the fight scenes. I like the story that they've done with the djinn, everything like that. And they're they're really planting the seeds for, again, that family-centered story. But why you fight is to protect your family, which is a yeah. great message. I really relate to it, and I think it was really cool. Uh, now, something that has been growing on me and kind of nagging me throughout this whole series is actually Iman Vellani's acting. She, it's a bit mm. Disney Channel-ish for me, where it's it's almost too over the top. It's too hyped up. So that takes yeah. me out of it a bit. But everything else about the show is so well written and so well thought out that I'm willing to ignore the slight flaws I see in, in, in her acting performance. So mm-hmm. that's not going to take away from my score on the on the, uh, the, sh- the episode itself, because again, it's the, it's so well written that I'm able to look past the those things that I find a bit annoying. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm probably going to have to give this one uh, a solid 3.7. No, no, I'm going to bump that up to a four. A solid four out of five nice. secret hostess cherry pies. Because again, I love the writing that they're doing. The story they're telling yeah. is really cool. And I'm really excited to see uh, what what's in store for this character. Totally. And I, I, I got to say, you know, Iman Vellani, uh, she's Canadian. Um, I think, you know, seeing her in the MCU is awesome. I think... I think to your to to your point about the aspect of her sort of Disney Channel level acting, I think it's gonna it's 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 divisive. I think it's gonna work for a lot of people. It's not gonna work for others. Uh, for me, I kind of really dig it. I've I've just I love those shows, and it kind of works for oh, me. I, I totally get it. I'm not taking any yeah. saying anything wrong with the people who do love her acting because again, yeah. there's a lot there to love. It's just not yeah. my cup of tea. And again. I still really enjoy this show, despite that fact. Totally, so. totally. Um, we're at the halfway point uh, with this episode being episode three. Uh, I think, you know, we knew that the show would probably have to hit a point where it, it dipped a little bit. I think this is the episode where it does that. I think there's a bit of uh, exposition dumping through dialogue, where in episode, uh, like, especially episode two, I felt like they kind of built the world out more by showing rather than telling. And I think that's a little bit more of a nuanced way. I, I Listen, I get it. They're at the halfway point. They need to speed this story along. They've got some big ideas that they need to get across to us with a lot of lore. Uh, and so I, I completely understand, you know, kind of falling back on that uh, idea of just having a character that explains a lot of stuff. I just think... They've done it in nuanced ways before. I think if you're writing a series and you know you only have six episodes, you know that's going to make it harder. So I, I don't fault them as much for that, but maybe bump it up to eight episodes if and, and show that in a more nuanced way uh, to keep the quality up there. But that said, this was a fantastic episode. We got to see more from her, as you said, of her family. We got to see more from her culture that I literally like was tearing up. Um, I love the moment where she hugs Nakia after she finds out that they she made it onto the board for the mosque. I think it's gorgeous. Um, and I honestly, the wedding scene alone brought my score up uh, from where it was. Um, it was so beautiful. And I think the opening sequence, when we talk about nuanced writing that shows and doesn't tell... That opening flashback sequence was awesome and sparked a ton of questions that connect to the broader MCU, uh, and I'm so it, it that got me more excited than pretty much you know other than the wedding anything else that happened uh, in the episode. Overall, I'm going to give this episode a solid 
four out of five secret hostess cherry pies. Don't tell Kamala's mom, okay? <laughs> We're going to eat those secret cherry pies. I just love the syntheticness of them all. I think that's what he says. I totally understand that aspect, too, yeah. because hostess makes some dang good cupcakes. <laughs> yeah, that will live longer than a gin. They'll live longer than a gin. Uh, all right. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Watch Club for Marvel's Miss Marvel. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or your predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club, well, you can stretch out your fingers uh, and reach us by email uh, at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com or over on Twitter at GeekcentricYT and on Instagram at WeAreGeekCentric. Keep in mind, we have a ton of other episodes covering the latest and greatest shows and movies out now, including our recent spoiler-free reviews for both The Man from Toronto and The Sea Beast, uh, which are both on Netflix, um, as well as Disney and Pixar's Lightyear, uh, which we also have interviews for with Lightyear director Angus McLean, producer Galen Sussman, and composer Michael Giacchino out right now. And we've got interviews, more interviews, uh, with directors Adilin Bilal, who directed episodes one and six of Miss Marvel. Uh, and that was a really fun one. Justin got, they were so hyped with Justin. Um, and if you're enjoying this Watch Club, well, listen, I have a, a, a message uh, from a wonderful princess who put a message into a droid. And she's telling me to tell you uh, that you need to check out our other Watch Club that we literally just wrapped as of uh, this latest finale episode uh, for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, and we discussed the finale. I'm not going to spoil anything here. Obviously, you'd have to tune in and check that out. Um, but because of getting all that coverage for, for Obi-Wan, uh, we also had the opportunity to interview series director Deborah Chow and frickin' Anakin Skywalker himself, Hayden Christensen. Um the, like absolutely incredible. There's a really sweet moment between Justin and Hayden where they discuss Star Wars fatherhood. Um, so you have to check that out. Darcy, what was it like at the red carpet premiere? Uh, seeing that, I mean, well, give us a little bit. Obviously, we did talk about it during the Watch Club finale that I want people to check mm-hmm. out. But just give us a taste. What what was one of the highlights uh, from that red carpet or red carpet premiere for the finale? I think what really solidified it was just seeing like the. Deborah Chow and Hayden Christensen got on stage to speak about the experience they had with the show and what it means to watch it with their hometown family. And it was it was yeah. really cool and surreal to see that. Also, the fact that we, you and I saw it the first time on the big screen in, Cal, in Anaheim, and then I got right. to finish the series on the big screen Dude. here in Toronto. It was a really cool way to, to end what I thought was a really cool story. So that was really fun. So good. So good. Uh, definitely check out our full thoughts and, and coverage for the event on our Instagram, on our socials, uh, and of course those those interviews. Uh, you can catch little clips of them on our Twitter as well. Uh, Darcy, thank you so much for joining me for yet again another wonderful Watch Club. And as we say, Cosmic. cosmic.